Estás escuchando la KUCI 88.9 The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. This is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on the Internet at KUCI.org. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, coming up in just a few moments. An elf and a hobbit's perspective on life with what would Arwen do. KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. winning music from Howard Shore from the original soundtrack of The Lord of the Rings The Fellowship of the Ring and uh, that was music from Rivendell I am Tani Tenuviel the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf this is KUCI in Irvine broadcasting from the University of California at Irvine and this is What Would Arwen Do on Every other Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. And this is the show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Orange County, California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people ask, what would Jesus do? Which I think is a very good question. But I ask, what would Arwen do? And in case you're not familiar, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all of the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or in elvish Arda. I believe that Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige, that with great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and service to others. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. 
So, I believe that this, quote, elven quality exists in every living person and yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, nobility, and service to others. And I'm very excited because uh, What Would Arwen Do has been on the air now for almost five years, and I now have a very fun Hobbit co-host, Milo Lonesdown. Milo, hello. Greetings. Sulaid. Good afternoon, Tani, you clever elf, you exciting <laughs> and busy elf. How are you this beautiful California afternoon? We should say hello, by the way, yes. to all of our listeners on the internet at KUCI.org, where they got to us by clicking on one of those wonderful URL links in the upper right-hand corner. Right on our website. Right on our website at KUCI.org. And also hello to people that are listening to us, not live, but after the fact, perhaps working out in the gym, listening to a podcast on their iPod Touch or their iPhone, where we are available at KUCITalk.org. And you can also find us, thank you very much, on (laughs) iTunes. If you search for the word Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, you'll find us on iTunes. What would Arwen do? Thank you all out there for listening. Yes, and, and welcome um, and we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send an email to askanelf at yahoo.com. And the telephone is ringing, but we can't pick up the phone right now because we're on the air. So in case you're listening and you're calling in, uh, please call back in a few moments when we uh, cut to some music. And we do have something uh, fun to play today. But before we get into that... Um, let's, uh, let's just take a few minutes. We were originally, um, going to have an interview today with Kelly Smith, who is the founder of the Center for Living Peace, which just opened up a couple of weeks ago, right here in, across the street from UCI in our own university center. And, um, that interview will be in two weeks from today instead of today. So as uh, the universe would have it, uh, one of the things that I love, Milo, about Lord of the Rings is that uh, you see Tolkien would uh, weave certain themes throughout his works. One was always the theme of hope and also of providence, you know, that there was always a larger plan unfolding, that there was always something larger at work behind the scenes. And so whenever things don't go the way, I think they are always say, okay, God, what what do you have going on here that I wasn't aware of? So sometimes that happens with the show. And today it was very exciting because we came in and there was someone here in the studio. And please, please, would you uh, just tell a little bit about what happened today? Well, what happened today is <laughs> I was looking at Shane, who was our guest today, and I said, Shane, you have a show called Tech Talk. And you know what? You strike me as a wizard. <laughs> So we've had lots of elvish talk and lots of hobbitish talk, mm. but we've not had a wizard on for quite some time. And I think it's good to have, uh, of course, wizards in our current time many times are engineers or scientists, and they many times will talk about those newfangled things called computers. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have a tech background, I being more of the organic variety of elves, although elves, elves very much... 
Um, I mean, you know, I can produce the show and come in and do the technology, but it's not my main thing. Elves, you know, we elves really, when it comes right down to it, you're not going to find us too often sitting at a computer game, although I love such things. But if it's a full moon out, I'm going to be lured out into the moonlight to walk under the stars and hopefully be uh, singing and dancing on on the shore, playing with the waves uh, under starlight. So we elves tend tend to be drawn more to the those things organic. Although I must say that uh, as a modern day elf, I am very grateful for technology. It is one of the most wonderful things that keeps us connected with people all over the world. And as a hobbit, I am very nose to the grindstone, work a day nine to five kind of <laughs> being who is not really all that imaginative, perhaps, but can oh, work hard. You're and can occasionally rise to the occasion. But wizards are a special class. Wizards are those that can do magic. As the great writer Arthur C. Clarke once said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Ah. And when you look at Gandalf in in The Hobbit and The Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, he is doing these fireworks, miraculous yes. fireworks to the hobbits, simply because the hobbits didn't really know that technology. Right. And, of course, the other thing is, no hobbit had one of the three elvish rings. And, <laughs> and Gandalf happened to have the ring of fire. Yes, which was given to him by Kirdan, um, uh, uh, actually, uh, from the Grey Havens. That's right. Uh, and so, today, we get to... Um, we get to take a little different turn than we thought we were going to ta- take. One of my favorite quotes from uh, both the books and the movies of Lord of the Rings is where Bilbo says to uh, Frodo, be careful stepping outside your door. Actually, Frodo's saying it to Sam, quoting Bilbo. Uh, Bilbo. Uh, be careful stepping outside your door because you never know where the road might take you. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it's dangerous business going out your door. And um, I love Oprah Winfrey. I'm I'm not much of a celebrity kind of person. I don't know any of the stars on any of the T. Te- I don't watch TV other than once in a while with the lovely woman I live with. I do occasionally sit down together with her to watch Dancing with the Stars. Um, but I love Oprah because to me, Oprah is a true elvish person. She it um, she is dedicated her life to, in a sense, helping others and helping to empower people. And uh, I love her magazine. I'm always very much inspired by it. And this whole issue of this month is dedicated to um, exploring the adventurous side of your life. So it's called Say Yes to Life, and she has um, all this whole thing here on like a like twenty eight ways or something to be open to new adventures. So I th- I think that's wonderful. And being a DJ here at KCI certainly is an adventure. Yes, as a Hobbit, I'm a little bit leery, as uh, <laughs> Bilbo and Frodo said, a little bit leery about new adventures. But my gosh, sometimes adventures can be wonderful. As when nearly a year ago, I joined you on this wonderful program, Tommy. And almost five years ago, June 22nd will be five years, which we discovered earlier that... Earlier today. Earlier today, that on June 22nd, I came here, did my first show, and also on that very same night, left here to go to Orange County Performing Arts Center, where I discovered Philip Glass, got to see the Orion concert, which... 
I happen to also <laughs> attend, although I did not know you at the time. We didn't know each other. How funny. So uh, anyway, we're very excited because one of the things I love about being here at KCI is that we are an alternative radio station. We do not play any mainstream music, and we have public affairs programming here that you will not hear on regular radio. And so today we're very excited because um, I love being able to bring awareness to people about so, um, some of the other wonderful programming that we have here at KCI. And Shane has very graciously uh, agreed to come on the show and tell us uh, a bit about himself and about his show, which is uh, Shane, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> my show is Tech Talk here on KCI. It, it airs on Mondays at 9 a.m. And... Um, Gee, where do I start with me? Uh, Are you well, a student, Shane? Not really, actually. I um, I have been a student at UCI, of course, but I uh, finished my school early. Um, I majored in neurobiology here, and I finished in three years. And um, I be- I took a couple classes at a community college. Um, uh, this fall, and then basically I've been doing KUCI and. Uh, uh, you know what else have I been doing? Now, what did you stuff? do? You, there was something that we were just congratulated you on earlier that Speaking I think is worth school, mentioning. Tell yes. us about what does MCAT mean and what did you do about it? The MCAT is the Medical College Admissions Test. I think I should know that off the top of my head, but I think that's what it is. And um, it's basically a test you have to take. It's like the SAT for medical school. And uh, I did very well on it. I got um, a thirty-seven. Q, which Q's like the writing st- score. So um, I, I was very happy with that, and it was better than I thought I would do. So, so what is the best possible score you could have gotten? Uh, a forty-five. Okay, um, so thirty-seven out of forty-five. Yeah, that's it, pretty. It's uh, it's curved though. So, um, Ooh. so uh, it, it's basically uh, you know I think I was in the ninety-seven to ninety-eight percentile. I don't know. That's off the top oh of my, my head. Gosh. But congratulations. I, I, you know, I, I opened the thing up on the um, on the computer, and I didn't really, I don't know, for some reason I'm not really that into the MCAT. I don't, you know, I'm not obsessed with it like a lot of uh, my fellow pre-meds are, so uh, I kind of had to think a minute about how that actually ranks. But um, after I saw the percentages, <laughs> it, it was very good, so I was happy. I'm Have you happy. thought about which medical school you'll attend? You know, I want to come to UCI, because ideally I'd like to continue to do my show here, Um but, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? It's so competitive. Um, when do I, you have to apply to medical schools? You, you have to apply. Um, well, actually, today is the day that the application opens. So um, For 2000? Uh, for the fall of 2011. Okay. So there's like a year gap. Right. Um, so they can do interviews and stuff like that. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, where was I? I, I I, about if you were going to apply for oh, medical, school, medical oh, school. Oh, yes. So I'm going to be applying uh, this summer. Great, yeah. great. Well, but we wish you all the best. And you. I'm sure it will um, be something of considerable um, attention that where you scored on the MCAT. So yeah, that yeah. Is, that's that's wonderful. And did you say, though, that you had been at a student here at UCI before? Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so do you already have a degree? Uh, not tech. Well, I mean, I filed for graduation. I don't know exactly how it works, but I filed for graduation, and I've basically been done. I've been doing volunteer tutoring for OCHEM and stuff, but uh, um, you don't know if you have a degree. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what's interesting is when he said that his major was neurobiology. Right. The word that came off in my mind was ah, wizard. Yeah. Because that is true magic. A few years ago, I needed to go in for an MRI. 
magnetic resonance imaging mm -hmm. of my brain mm -hmm. to see why these headaches were caused. And it was nothing. I laid there for 15 minutes listening to music. It was zero. It was nothing. So then I went to the neurologist the following week, and he said, oh, you're clean. It turned out later I was using a machine at the gym in the incorrect way. But to make a long story longer, uh, I asked him, well, this simple little 15-minute test, it was zero. He said, no, it's absolutely conclusive. Mm -hmm. He used those words, absolutely conclusive as to whether I'd been having mini strokes or other, you know, brain tumor or something like that. That's magic. Yes. Magic is when you can lay on a bed for 15 minutes <laughs> listening to music and, and a, the week later they can tell you conclusively whether you do or do not have strokes, mini strokes, brain turner, tumors, aneurysm possibilities. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, I actually just started reading a book uh, this weekend that I got some time ago, and a friend of mine uh, asked if she could borrow it, so she's had it, and I just got it back and started reading it again, and it's called The Biology of Belief by um, somebody Lipton, Ph.D., and it's fascinating. Uh, this guy uh, kind of fell in love with cell biology at um, in second grade, they had a little microscope in the classroom, and first time he saw a cell, he's like, he just had this epiphany, like that it was uh, it was a human being. It just represented, you know. And he, from the age of seven, he's been fascinated with cell biology, and um, so as you know, was at Stanford and all these different places. But really, the thing that was so interesting is that he um, is talking about the new biology, where they before they believed that DNA and genes determined your biology, mm -hmm. whereas the new biology now says that yes, the DNA and the genes are there, but it's the environment that actually um, uh, creates the effects, even down yeah. to the thoughts that you think, yes. negative, or that's what determines not not you, the DNA or the, or the genes. Is that an Ab area that you absolutely. have studied in? Yes, absolutely. Are um, you familiar with Dr. that book? Wood. I'm, I'm not familiar with the book, but that's a field called epigenetic. excuse me, epigenetics. Yes. Oh, there you go. And, um, yeah, he talks about that. And um, basically, um, epigenetics is the layer above DNA. It's involves histone acetylation and stuff, and it's basically the coiling of DNA and um, the translation or transcription of DNA and then the translation of those proteins, um, the protein products of, that those um, genes actually confer. So um, basically, uh, that, that's, that's the whole thing. You can actually have um, environmental stimuli. Um, I believe Dr. Wood did a lot with mem Dr. Wood here is a, um, he's a PhD, I believe he's a, Fellow, I, I, I'm actually not sure what his title uh -huh. is, but he taught me in one of my neurobiology classes. Uh -huh. and he's a very smart guy and a very nice guy. Um, he he basically um, did a lot of research with respect to um, maternal parenting mm -hmm. and um, the effects on memory. And uh, there's a lot of interesting research with respect to that. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting, Tani, is did you hear that spell that he cast when you talked about epigenetics? He mumbled some magical uh, <laughs> formula, uh, something about cytone uh, chelation, or what was that phrase you used? Oh, histone acetylation. Yeah. Uh -huh. Histone, if that isn't like uh, <laughs> something that Gandalf would say yes. to make a potion, you know, heal you or right. make you strong. Uh, one of the marks of a wizard is that he has special special phrasing yes. that only pedo, he knows. Pedo melon amino. 
Right. Speak, friend, and enter. Speak, friend, and enter. My <laughs> gosh, one of the great scenes in Lord of the Rings, the uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. So you are familiar with, uh, not necessarily with uh, Bruce Lipton, but uh, with this concept. Def- this this yeah, is yeah. absolutely fascinating. I mean, he spent his whole life in, you know, in general cell biology and became aware of this. Uh, you know, through his research, and um, he's now thrilled that they're beginning to open up a little bit more to this uh, new new biology, is is what it's called. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fascinating because it, it's you know he says the implications of this research radically change our understanding of life. It shows that genes and DNA do not control our biology, but instead DNA is controlled by signals from outside the cell, including the energetic men- messages emanating from our positive and ne- negative thoughts. Uh, it says this profoundly hopeful synthesis of the latest and best research in cell biology and quantum physics. So it brings quantum physics into the into the equation is being held as a major breakthrough, showing that our bodies can be changed as we retrain our thinking. Isn't that interesting? It, it is very interesting. And I may have misspoke. I, I think um, Dr. Wood actually did not do stuff with the maternal parenting. That may have been a paper that we read when he was teaching our class. Ah. But... Um, uh, he does a lot of work with histone acetylation, yeah. and he originally came with um, with a background in cancer biology, and now he's ap- applying that to uh, neurobiology. So it's very interesting, and a lot of cool stuff is going on over at the CNLM right across yes. the way. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so are you um, are you interested in you know continuing in that area of of, of research or or working as a doctor? How? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I I actually haven't done research here as an undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things that I'm kind of worried about, but uh, as far as like the strength of my application, but uh, um, I do want to get involved in research in in medical school, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, hopefully, I get into a medical school. But I, I really want to be an MD. I, mm-hmm. I want to treat people, mm-hmm. um, treat patients, and um, I don't. I, I'm not really so focused on doing the research, but right. I think it's a good compliment, and it absolutely you you, you get a lot of critical thinking skills right. and things like that from it. So it, it's very good in, in almost every respect. Well, I am Speaking very excited. Of critical <clears throat> thinking skills. <laughs> yes. Don't we have some reading from the professor that would elucidate, uh, you know, something about Criti- technical things and thinking? Yes, from the riddles? riddles in the dark, yes. Yes. Well, we do. And we actually have the professor himself reading from The Hobbit, from the... Um, uh, the chapter, uh, Riddles in the Dark, uh, where Gollum and Bilbo are interacting, and, well, Bilbo's trying to get out of the cave. Right. And you, tell us a little bit about the, the situation. Gollum is looking for some fresh meat to eat, because all <laughs> he's had is cold, raw fish. Right. And he's thinking that this little Bilbo may be a delightful morsel to eat. Of course, Bilbo wants to get out of the the cave alive Mm -hmm. as he's trying to grope his way around before he really meets Gollum he encounters a little round object in the dark and oh he says ring oh I'll put this in my pocket and then he meets Gollum and Gollum refuses to let him go and that is where we get the riddles in the dark okay so let's hear a little bit from the professor here and then we'll come back Shane and we'll we'll we want to hear a little we want to hear more about your uh, radio show oh, on right. Monday morning. Absolutely. So here to help us hone our critical thinking skills is The Hobbit. Chapter uh, 5. J.R.R. Tolkien, Riddles in the Dark. Let's see which, oh, here we are. 
And this is KUCI in Irvine. Deep down here by the dark water lived old Gollum. It cannot be seen, cannot be felt, cannot be heard, cannot be smelt. It lies behind stars and under hills and empty holes it fills. It comes first and follows after, ends life, kills laughter. Unfortunately for Gollum, Bilbo had heard that sort of thing before, and the answer was all round him anyway. Dark, he said, without even scratching his head or putting on his thinking cap. And that from J.R.R. Tolkien, reading from the Lord, I'm sorry, The Hobbit, from Riddles of the Dark in the Dark, Milo, um, we certainly hope that that scene will be making its way into the Hobbit movie. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, there are <laughs> two movies planned. Yes. The screenplay by Fran Walsh and the great Peter Jackson and the fabulous Guillermo del Toro has been roughed out and given to the studio, both parts one and part two. Parts one and two have been given, and uh, there was something in the news groups the other day saying, well, why on earth would you need two films to make a book that's really only 250 pages long, much, much shorter than Lord of the Rings, that's nearly a 1,000? Why? And the answer is to really appreciate all that's happening, Mm. to flesh it out. Absolutely. one of the best ways to make a film, in in The Hobbit's opinion, in, in Milo's opinion, in my opinion, one of the best ways to make a film is from a poem or a short story, not a novel. Right. <laughs> and, and some of the very, very best screenplays have been written from a very brief short story and expanded into a very long film. So I think that there's plenty of material, and my gosh, am I looking forward to this Oh, my oh, gosh. There's, there's not only plenty of material, there's so much because, even as we saw in Lord of the Rings, there are places in the movie that uh, harken back to other times, like yes. in the whole beginning of the Lord of the Rings movie. The yes. whole prologue yes. uh, is showing the backstory of the last the alliance of men and elves, right. of Sauron, of, you know, in the uh, second uh, age, uh, yes. where the ring came from, where it went to, and how Gollum got it, and all of that. But the so, reason we played the professor is because riddles are sort of technical talk. Yeah. And guess who we have? We have Shane here today, we do. who is host of Tech Talk every Monday at 9 a.m., on KUCI-FM 88.9 on your FM dial or streaming live 24 by 7 at KUCI.org. You can listen to Shane. Shane, welcome to What Would Arwen Do? Thank you. I really appreciate it. (laughs) I've had a lot of fun here. Just kind of along the line of questioning that we were talking about, Uh um, I heard that Guillermo del Toro actually dropped out of the project for The Hobbit. Just a... (laughs) There is a rumor to that effect. Is that a rumor? And and the further rumor is that Peter Jackson may be taking over. Okay. At this point, there are lots of rumors swirling. I don't think we can say categorically what is happening. It may be a move uh, by the wizard Guillermo del Toro. It may be a move to get the MGM creditors off the dime. Because uh-huh. by losing him, they may realize, oh, maybe it's time to really get serious. They need to get going because they've made some commitments to the IMAX theaters and and also Warner even for Brothers casting, has you know. committed to their exhibitors that they will have 
The Hobbit Part 1 in December 2012 oh. and The Hobbit Part 2 in December 2013. Oh, okay. And so Warner's is pretty serious organization. Clint Eastwood Studio, etc. So, uh, but... But the reason you're here is yeah, because sorry you have about a that. show called Tech Talk. <laughs> yes. Tell us about the show. Um, my show is basically, it, it teaches people how to uh, design and, and build their own web applications. Oh, are you on podcast? Yes, I am. Yes. Um, oh, I need to go listen to all the past shows. <laughs> now, um, Would your podcast be at KUCITalk.org? I believe so, yes. Okay. I've got a website at shamebrook.me, M-E, and that's my website. Can you so spell I put, that for us? Oh, S-H-A-N-E-B-U-R-K-E dot M-E. And that's um, the web address, and you can uh, go there, and it's got all my shows on there. And, um, you know, I, I've actually been having a little bit of trouble with the podcast, but I guess we can talk about that after the show. <laughs> that'll, right. That'll bore people. <laughs> um, so, again, basically, we, we teach people how to design websites. Um, that was basically my first season. It was basically me explaining... Um, going through all the documentation for various languages that are really important oh. for web design. Oh. So we covered XHTML, which is a um, structural markup for web pages. We covered CSS, which is the um, actual display of the pages. We covered jQuery, which is a JavaScript library. Pe- people are probably familiar with JavaScript. Yeah, it's my a, head is already hurting. It's a um, <laughs> client-side programming language that's uh-huh. very versatile, and uh, jQuery does a lot of cool stuff, and it makes it... Uh, the syntax is very brief and, and allows you to do a lot in a very small amount of space. We talked about PHP, and we also talked about SQL, Structured Query Language, which is for databases. Uh, PHP and, and databases all relied, uh, reside on the server side. <laughs> Milo is smiling. This while is I so am, much wizard yeah. talking. And, and, and well, like my head feels like it's going to ex- explode. Um, so... Yes. So, but I mean, <clears throat> thank you so much for doing a show, helping people with those things. Do you take yeah. calls? Yeah. Um, no, we don't. We actually, uh, our show is mostly pre-recorded. Well, okay. I don't think I've ever done. No, I, d- I did live shows last quarter, but um, uh, basically, I, I do all of my re- shows now recorded because I do interviews with people, and uh-huh. it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to get people to come in at nine a.m. Right. So right. Uh, <laughs> uh, on a Monday, so uh, I do a lot of. Recorded interviews. I just interviewed a guy um, from UCSD. He did um, research on algorithms and detecting um, malicious URLs just from the URL string, which is really interesting. Isn't so that interesting? It is. Could it's, you explain for those of us that have no idea what you're talking about? Well, um, URL, as I understand it, Shane, is Uniform Resource Locator. Yes, it is. And I just gave you a URL. ShaneBrook.me is my web address. Um, so it's a web address. Exactly. KUCI.org would be another one. And then what was um, that thing that he does about those web addresses? He he um, basically looks at a web address. So this mm-hmm. is being used in things like um, Yahoo. All right. I don't want to say the companies, but... Um, I he actually couldn't even say the companies because it's uh, all you know. Let's, legal let's not mention any companies, yeah, but yeah. some of those companies out there. I don't even know the companies, by the way. <laughs> I was just saying, as an example, one of the uh, mail companies, uh, the email companies, um, is using this in uh, people's behind the scenes. So when people are uh, looking at a web address, they can determine whether or not they want to visit that site because of whether what what the algorithm tells them whether it's safe or not. Oh. Um, so a malicious website could be you know anything. It could Force your computer to download something. Uh-huh. I regret to inform you, Tani, the dear elf, elf princess. I regret to inform you 
There are goblins in the Lord of the Rings. There are orcs in the yes, Lord of the yep. Rings. Yes, there I know. There are in yeah. real life, and too. And there are orcs on I'm the I'm sorry internet. to hear yes, you that. I, I'm one of there those. There are orcs on the Internet. I, I go to about five websites, <laughs> unless I'm at the library. That's the only time I explore, because I feel that, figure that they have good firewalls and all that. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So that's the kind of wizardry that you do on your program, Shane. Yes. You actually have people like that who are doing fundamental research. Yes on URL parsing yeah. for malicious intent detection. Yeah, not just URLs, but that's just an example. We have that's an example. so we have computer science researchers, we have um I've had security professionals on before, uh people from UCI to talk about news from our uh uh local or not our local but our campus newspaper. Um and by the way, speaking of UCI they are our hosts here for KUCI. We are the yes. voice of the University of California at Irvine, which hosts, by the way, also the very distinguished, very well-known now, relatively young but becoming very famous, Donald Bren School of Computer and Information Science. Yeah, and uh, Cal IT is over there, over in the School of Computer Science. And um, also here at UCI, we're going to be having a uh, security conference called AppSec, which is through a... Um, a um, organization, a completely nonprofit international organization dedicated to uh, um, building and implementing safe websites. Oh, and um, so they know. they have exact actually um, like sample code so that people can uh, just implement code that professionals have written and uh, make sure that they're staying safe. So that's that's a great pro- project. It's called OWASP, Open Web Application Security Project. And um, so, yeah, they're going to be coming here to UCI for the when uh, national conference. It's good. I believe it's in September. So September it's, it's of this year. So people yes. can uh, can sign up for that to come. I uh, believe so. Yeah, I'm not too sure on the details, but mm-hmm. um, I I had a gentleman on the show who is from OWASP, and he uh, let us know about it. And I'm sure uh, once I hear a, more, I'll, I'll definitely let my if, audience. If know. people go to your website, which again is shaneburke.me. S-H-A-N-E-B-U-R-K-E dot M-E. Shane, if they go to your website, will they be able to send you an email, or is there an email address where they can uh, send you communication? Or do you prefer phone or SMS text, or what is your... Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm really not big on cell phones and texting, uh, um, but I, I have an email address. I don't know if I even put it up there, but it's Shane Burke, Shane M. Burke at gmail.com, so pretty easy. Shane. And would you have information um, about that uh, that event as it gets nearer? Definitely. That'll okay. be on the show, yeah. And yeah. so what else is on your website that people, I mean, is it, is it designed to help people if they have, you know, kind of questions or, or where they could just go to your website as a kind of tutorial for um, uh, building websites? Like, say, for myself. Yeah. I don't. Uh, do much. I actually checked out from the library a big stack of books on blogging for dummies and <laughs> websites for dummies, and I tried to get through them. But I, you know, my brain doesn't work that well. I get distracted by stars and you know the moon, crystals laying around yeah. my room and things like that. And the beautiful back <laughs> yeah, bay. Absolutely. So, but I try. Um, yeah. However, I do much better if someone shows me something like that than just trying to read the, mm-hmm. the textbooks. Um, so is your um, website designed to, to help people with things like that? Um, it's going to be. Uh, <laughs> I Obviously, I, as we talked about in the last segment, I just took the MCAT and I'm applying to medical school, so I've been very busy. But um, yeah. over the summer, I'm going to be adding up videos. So like oh, you just said, that's great. basically why I created this show. I felt like there wasn't a place where people could get free information 
Because a lot of the video websites, you have to pay for them to get good tutorials. So I wanted a place where I could have free video tutorials and free audio files so people could get an understanding of the language and build it on their own. You know, that's what the web is about. It's about innovating and um, creating really cool solutions for people to use. So um, that's really kind of the... uh, the inspiration behind the show and you know my website is not um at the stage where it it should be i I don't think um for some reason i've been having trouble uploading podcasts so there aren't a lot of recent shows up there so i I need to figure that out i don't know what's going on with that but i'm sure um, as a wizard you will figure it out i hope so and i love that you mentioned uh helping people to understand the language because J.R. tolkien uh, being a linguist and philologist, was a lover of languages, created over 14 languages for Middle-earth, and um, actually uh, said that Middle-earth and all the stories in Middle-earth actually came about because languages cannot exist apart from uh, people or creatures to speak them. So Middle-earth came about as a place for the languages to exist. And um, Elvish, which is considered kind of the first language of Middle Earth, but actually evolved from the Meyer, you know, the Meyer and the Valar uh, language from Valinor, which, you know, wizards were considered to be of the, you know, in Tolkien's cosmology, like the angelic type of beings. And in Uh, fact, when you look at wizard, I mean, when you look at Gandalf, he was multilingual. Oh, absolutely. Famous at the doorway. Mm hmm to the minds of Moria, uh, he used like hundreds of phrases in dozens of languages to try to open the door. Right, right. He tried it in Dwarvish and <laughs> Elvish and Westron and, you know, trying to figure out and uh, until, and then finally he has the little brainstorm, oh, speak friend and enter. <laughs> and all that was needed was to say the word friend, friend. and the massive, beautiful doors opened like magic. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> That, I, you know, I, which is which is very similar to technology. Sometimes one simple thing like a password or something, uh, just not having the right magic word keeps all the barriers up, and some one little magic word opens all the doors to fantasy and magic. And but, the word password yeah. itself didn't start with computer science. The Where word did it start? password was adopted by computer science, but originally a password was exactly that. A word that you would speak that would allow you to pass through controlled territory right. and then later applied to doors, mm-hmm. right? So the password for, in the time of prohibition in the United States, the password would be used so that you could go into a speakeasy and have illegal alcoholic drinks. <laughs> well, and we see in things like uh, the uh, original... One of the original, it was, I think it was the original movie, but the very old movie of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland, where she goes to the tavern because she's found out about, you know, Prince John's terrible plan to, uh, to kill the king. And she goes to warn Robin and they ask her for the password, for the passcode in order to get in. So, you know, because to, in order to protect Robin and his men. So yeah, it goes, goes way, way, way back. But languages are important, Shane, and it's really wonderful that you've covered so many wizardly languages related to computers in your show and hopefully your podcast some of them are up there surely yeah all the stuff that describes the languages are up there the videos will be coming hopefully this summer and uh you know the the great thing about this is there are a lot of people 
I know at my gym there are many people that have iPods mm-hmm. and they're not listening to music. Some of them are listening to recorded books. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are listening to podcasts of various sorts. So someone could actually be listening directly and learning in that way as well from your from your experience. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So uh, it's interesting to me, though, that your um, your general passion and interest is for medical school, mm-hmm. and yet you decided to do a show on uh, web technology. Yeah. Uh, how in the us, world did that? you get involved with KUCI? I, how did I? Well, okay. Very, very interesting story. And we were talking about film and television and the arts um, uh-huh. in the very beginning of the show. Um, I actually went to an art school in high school, and I study film and television and um so that's that's how i got involved in kuci i i enjoy television and radio is kind of the only thing we have that's kind of like that right. here at uci um of course there's the film and media studies major but i didn't right. want to do that so um i i knew that i wanted to be a doctor so um that's how i got involved here and then um as far as the technology i uh definitely just taught myself. I didn't take any computer science classes here. Wow. I, I wish I had, but um, it's well, a I mean, good school. The Donald Bren School I know. is a good school. It Shane. is. It is. But you're one of those people that can just, you know, that I'm always amazed by. I mean, there's certain things that I can learn and do. I mean, I can teach a yoga class. I can, I can come in and find out that there's a Boy Scout group here that and have them on the show and you know switch gears that way. But I half the time have a hard time if figuring out how to open my email. <laughs> I mean, actually, I can't open my yeah. email, but you know, it just little yeah. things. So, but you're, but I'm self-taught in some other areas, whereas uh, you are self-taught in this, and and it's amazing here. You are doing a show helping other people, and how many other people are out there that are probably similar to yourself that know some of the basic things, and but we get, you know, they get stuck at different places, and and yeah. so you're helping them get unstuck. Yeah, definitely. Um, We've talked a, a lot about security, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that my show contributes because it, security on the internet, um, it's just it's it's very scary. It's a scary area, and you know this. Um, there's so many different attacks that people just aren't aware of, and um, I think it's a great public service to kind of have a show that talks about. We've talked specifically about what attacks are, how they can manifest themselves, and what you can actually do, and then how to mitigate those risks. So. Um, We've, I've definitely had a lot of fun doing all that. And I should also mention, I've, um, in, I interviewed a kind of a famous person. He is a, um, he created the MySpace worm. Uh, this guy's named Sammy Kamkar, and it infected about a million. I already told you about this, I think. Um, I forgot. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it <laughs> infected about a million profiles, and it was, mm. um, a pretty benign attack as far as attacks go. Um, but basically, it, it People on the web were um, very complacent about security at that time, and he proved that there there was this vulnerability that could be exploited. And so um, he's really kind of a I don't want to say hero in the security world, but he's he's definitely a very important figure. So mm-hmm. I, I was very happy to have him on. And um, well, he, he got in important. a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, he, oh. he got in a lot of trouble for it. But um, but he stood up that's for what okay. was right. Why? Well, well, he, he was just kind of messing around, actually. Oh. <laughs> he what didn't the, really have a big point the, in doing it. The importance of what he did, Tani, for those of us that have used computers for a long time, the importance was to show that something as seemingly innocent, as seemingly fun as MySpace, is literally riddled. Talking about riddles, I'll use mm-hmm. it in a different sense. It's mm-hmm. riddled with security exposures. And the 
And and really, the bottom line for people listening to this show, not only to listen to Shane's show, which is Tech Talk, every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on KUCI, 88.9 FM, KUCI.org on the web, but not only to be aware of that, but to be aware of the fact that you should never really, you cannot really trust anything. You're never really sure of what links are in an email. Someone may have forwarded you an email innocently that you know, but they got it from an unreliable source, entering passwords anywhere, entering your, certainly your checking account is dangerous. As it turns out, entering your credit card is not a big problem because of laws that exist that limit your liability to $50. Mm. But entering your checking account number is very risky because there are no laws limiting your liability. If someone steals your checking account number, it is possible there are techniques for them to take the entire balance out of there and you have no recourse. Which in my case <laughs> wouldn't be of much benefit <laughs> to them anyway. <laughs> yeah, me either, me either. Um, but, oh. you know, the major thing with MySpace is that they allowed people to customize their profiles with code that, you know, I teach people. Um, so, you know, if you're designing a website, you don't want to do that. And sites like Facebook don't. Um, so think we've definitely learned and got a little bit better with it, but we're always going to kind of be a little bit behind yeah. um, the hackers and all that. So, um, and then what else did I want to well, add? I wanted to add something else, but I can't remember. So go ahead. Well, while you're thinking of that, I just want to say thank you for doing that kind of a show here no uh, at KCI. And I'm going to uh, take an opportunity to do a little plug because we have such fantastic public affairs programming here at KCI, 88.9 FM. Uh, two other shows, because you mentioned that you are really passionate about helping people to be safe, mm-hmm. uh, that we have on... Um, uh, pir- privacy piracy yeah. oh with, with uh, which used to I think they moved to a different time slot though they are right before me oh, Mondays, right, at Mondays at 8 a.m. That, that's kind of which why is, we've gone yeah, towards so, the security so side identity, identity theft and, and uh, web security and you mentioned that you went to, uh, to inter- your interest in film and I have to mention that my dear Hobbit friend is going to be uh, sitting in for a while as a co-host on one of the other most fantastic shows here at KCI Film School by Mike Casper every Friday at 9 a.m. Yeah, so um, you're going to be sitting in while Nathan is taking a little break for the summer. Nathan Callahan, who is normally uh, co-hosts that show with Mike. So I will be very excited to hear because your, you know, your background is actually as a, uh, I, I, I don't know if you call it professional, but I mean, film critic. You know, I, is it? Yes, yes. I mean, I, I've never actually been paid let me check this i don't believe i've ever been paid for film criticism but, but you've been flown my, all over the globe well, to do it it's certainly true that i've you know been around <laughs> and not just you know just not just uh you know watching films and commenting on them yes well yes yes so in any case we have tremendous public affairs programming yes. we have shane here with tech talk at 9 a.m. every monday we have Mari. Mari. Mari with Privacy Piracy. At 8 a.m. At 8 a.m. every Monday. We have Film School with Mike Casper and Nathan uh, every Friday at 9 a.m. And before that, Mike hosts a show called Weekly Signals. Yeah. A political show, Mm -hmm. political commentary on what's happening in the city, county, state, and uh, And the world. Of of course, we have, uh, if people would like, uh, they can uh, visit our website at kci.org for information on all of our fantastic music 
across all genres and Reggae, all alternative rock, music and our public rock, affairs programming, including writers on writing and, I mean, and we have a special website devoted just to our public affairs program, which is KUCITalk.org. And it is uh, three minutes before the hour, so guess what? It's time for us to end. Thank you, Shane, so My much pleasure. for coming I had so on much at the fun. last minute and talking to us about Tech Talk, your 9 a.m. Mondays show here at KUCI. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you. I, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, I'm definitely going to be tuning in and listening to some of your podcasts uh, because I could use some help. Right. <laughs> and, well, that's going to about wrap it up for us. However, the Blue and Gold Report is uh, is done for the summer. So, Milo, you and I will be carrying on into the next hour with some um, music and commentary and whatever we decide to oh uh, come gosh. up with. Uh, from five to six, and uh, we're going to be talking about rings well, and oh, ring let's, let's and everything. Talk, yes, let's do. So that's going to wrap it up, though. For what would Arwen do? We'll be back uh, in a few minutes with. Gosh, uh, I'm not sure what we will be calling it. Maybe another edition of what, what would Arwen, Arwen do? What would Part What two. would Milo do? <laughs> <laughs> so this is KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuviel. My co-host Milo Lonesdown. Yes, Tani, it's been a great show, thanks to Shane. Oh, yes, and we will be back in two weeks. Kelly Smith, uh, hopefully, will be available then, and we'll uh, have an interview and talk to people about the Center for Living Peace and the wonderful things that they are doing over there. Their motto is Good Happens, and uh, a lot of wonderful things going on Good over at happens. the Center for Living Peace. Org. Yes, and in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Ask an elf at yahoo.com, ask an elf at yahoo.com. Uh, and uh, we're going to leave you with a little music, Coco B singing Into the West, the Academy Award-winning song sung by uh, Annie Lennox at Return of the King. So until next week, we have, we'll say, Elin Salalumen Amintialvo, A Star Shines on the Hour of Our Meeting. <laughs> KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on the Internet at KUCI.org. KUCI, the best radio station in the history of the universe. 